Hey there, welcome to the show. Wow, you know, I can't believe it. We're almost at the middle of February. And, you know, coming up this week, everybody knows Valentine's Day. Don't forget, make sure you get your Valentines. And at the end of the day, you know, I know we talk a lot about real estate here on the show because we love heart real estate. So why not, you know, kind of break it off and start taking a look at some of the aspects of real estate that you should really be focusing on right now. Um, coming in the studio uh, shortly with me, I have actually our simple lawyer from the simple company. I've got Jazz Deep Dylan joining me in studio. We're going to talk about two major, major topics that come into purview all the time. First and foremost, if you're a real estate investor or you're just starting off to be a real estate investor, should you actually turn around and create a corporation? Well, you know what? I'll get Jazz to explain most of that. What are the benefits of having a corporation when you own investors? real estate. And the biggest elephant in the room for any landlord right now is the landlord tenant board. That's right, the LTB and getting rid of tenants that aren't paying rent. Now let's forget about this whole, you know, people are saying, oh, greedy landlords. Come on. Do you really expect a landlord to give free rent? There is nobody in this world should be thinking that landlords owe you free rent, but it sure seems like the LTB is trying. And so again, I'm going to have Jazz talk about that. What are some of the steps you need to take to be able to get a tenant out for non-payment of rent? Remember, I'm not telling you to kick out your tenants, but if they're not paying you, there's no reason for you to put a roof over their head. So Jazz is going to join me in a little while and we're going to have a great conversation about that. Uh, what else is going on? Hey, listen, don't forget to follow me on Instagram, uh, the Simple Investor One. A lot going on here at the Simple Investor. We have our Master Investor Program. So if your RRSPs are not doing great for you, you know what? Go to the Simple investor.com take a look at our master investor program and maybe just maybe it's going to be an avenue for you to get great returns for your rsps this year and of course this is our rsp season you know all the ads coming up have you ever noticed the ads really promote you know healthy looking people on a beach and carefree life well you know there's more to it than that so you know what go to the simple to find out more and of course we did do our new release just last week at our simple seminar great turnout got a few units left. If you're thinking of buying an investment property, uh, we do have our special release again back to our uh, first responders. You know, great opportunity for you to be able to get into investment real estate with only $30,000 down. So, so much going on here. But let me break down the actual, you know, uh, real estate, I, I would say the landscape right now. And this is the start of my real estate rant. And, you know, sometimes I think I should get one of those voices that going, and let's get ready to rumble. That's right. The real estate rant, because I got to tell you, I'm really getting a little sick and tired of quite a few things that are going on. Bank of Canada, top of mind right now. You know, come on guys. Like, you know, fine. You tell us that you're going to freeze, you know, interest rate hikes for the next little while, you know, all behind the scenes, a little bit of that cloak and dagger stuff. Oh, well, we might just hold off for a little while. Come on, tell us how it is instead of playing this game. Last year, you told us you weren't going to raise them very fast. What did you do? You lied. Now you're sitting there saying, well, we think we're going to leave it. Should we believe you now? And on top of that, you know, everybody's sitting there saying, okay, why don't you give it a rest? You've done enough damage. Let the damage settle in. Let's figure out where the economy is. You're putting enough pressure on people. And, you know, the automatic, you know, thought here, and this is why part of my rant does lead down to investment real estate is 
a lot of people keep saying it's the landlords buying properties that are creating the high price of real estate. Get over yourselves. That's not the case. The case is we don't have enough inventory, period. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the first time home buyer trying to get in the market. We also need rentals. How do rentals happen? Well, we don't build them fast enough with the, with the government. So we need individual landlords. That's right. The mom and pop landlords are actually the only ones that are adding supply to the actual inventory required to house people that are renting. And you know, that whole thought about, oh, well, it's creating a problem with affordability. No, it's not. Go back to the government. Okay. Take a look at the development charges, see what's going on. Look, you crank up interest rates, what's going to happen? As they did, we start having a lot of these developers canceling units, okay? They're saying, look, we can't profit, we can't get financing, we're not gonna build. At the end of the day, all of a sudden, inventory's gonna drop even further. So what's the solution? Well, you know what, I don't have one solution. We, this has gotta be like a multi-prong approach to make this happen. But again, interest rates, back to the Bank of Canada, my original part of my rant here is that they're saying that, you know, we're looking at the bond yields, we're looking at the bond rate, fluctuated a little this week, but quite frankly, we could see some discount rates. We should, and this is, again, a hypothetical, you know, quotes, asterisk here, uh, we should be seeing something in the fours this spring. So they're hoping to, you know, kind of kickstart the market a little. But at the same time, you know, and it was amazing because I was listening to Tiff Macklin and flat out, the Bank of Canada is sitting there saying, Oh, don't kid yourselves. Real estate prices are going to start going up again. As soon as we ease any kind of pressure on interest rates, we know it's going to start happening. Yeah, no kidding. How many people are willing to sit on their hands for what, six months, a year, not get into ownership? And I'm not talking about investors. I'm talking about homeowners, people that are looking for their first home or their move up home. Yeah, this has got to happen. It's a natural progression in society. People need to own their properties. So how does that happen? Well, Again, people are getting used to some of these interest rates. They're making you know, some uh, alterations in their lives. They're turning around saying, look, maybe we don't get the new car. Maybe we focus on getting a mortgage payment in control that we can turn around and afford a property. So these are the kind of things that with the Bank of Canada kind of playing the cat and mouse game with Canadians, I, I got to tell you, I'm just sick and tired of it. Tell us how it was. You should have turned around and said, this year you're going to get seven increases. This is going to be the amount. If you're smart, you lock in, boom, everybody gets rid of the variable. We cruise through until the Bank of Canada rate comes back down. And by the way, for those of you that hope that the Bank of Canada rate is going to drop to where it was during the pandemic, not going to happen. Okay, get that out of your head. If we can get our interest rates into that 3-4% range, that is a kind of the sweet spot of interest rates. This is the one that we should anticipate for the future. The overall debt of the country and actually in North America, a three to 4% interest rate is a good balance point. People aren't just running out and borrowing, but they're also able to sustain the debt. So that is all calculations lead to between a three to 4% interest rate will give us a balanced market. So then it goes back to the other part of this rant is the idea of inventory doesn't exist. No, don't kid yourselves. We're going to have 500,000 new Canadians this year. Where are they going to live? There's no solution, no answer. All we hear is crickets. And then we all of a sudden hear some things like, oh, we're going to drop development charges. Ah, okay. And what's that going to do? That's not going to do anything today. It's not going to do anything tomorrow, next month, next year. It is only for the focus of what, five years from now? Well, that government's going to be gone anyways. So you got to take a look at the big picture. What do we do today? 
again, when we take a look at what is sitting there, inventory, this is why so much pressure is on rental properties and why we're seeing rents go up. There's just no inventory. So when we take a look at what could be a created solution, you know, I talk about multi-res properties. You can talk about basement apartments. You know, there are those people that believe that if you're older and there's two people living in a 3,000 square foot house, it's just being, you know, greedy of them to turn around and live there. They should sell the property, let five people move into it, put a basement apartment in. I think one of the unique things about real estate ownership, especially when you're talking about your own home, your primary residence, you should be in control at all times. Okay. It's yours. You earned it. You pay the bills, you pay the taxes. Nobody should tell you what to do with your property. And this is the thing. So how do we create more inventory? Look, we're not going to come up with a solution quickly. It's going to be one of those ones that we've got to get on the right path. The government should be turning around, entertaining private builders. Yes, I know everybody's saying greedy builders. Yeah, well, you know what? We need them. We need the inventory. It's going to ease the pressure on some of the pricing. It's going to ease the pressure on vacancy rate. When we talk about tenancies, we need inventory. So for those of the developers out there, yeah, I'm on your side because I think the only solution that can happen is getting the right people involved, the right minds involved, get all the bureaucratic crap out of the way. And we got to turn around and focus on the most important thing, more roofs. Okay. That's what we need in Canada. I don't care if it's tall. I don't care if it's wide. We just need more of them so people can turn around and have a place to live. So those are the kind of things that I think everybody should be focused on. You know what? Talk to your developers, talk to your MPs, talk to your MPPs. You know, you can talk to the premier, you can talk to, well, you know, the hires to be in the federal government. But at the end of the day, I think the only solution is going to be a private one. And it's going to come from the developers who are able to push forward when we truly, truly need the inventory. Um, other than that, you know, lots of other things going on. You'll hear in the news right now with some of the collapse of some of the builders out there. Some of these kind of funds that they turn around the speculative funds when they're talking about buying land, you know, people are investing in the land because they're giving these crazy, crazy returns. And you know what? The only return you should be looking at is existing brick and mortar. It's the safest one. If you can see it, if you can touch it, then you know it exists. That's the kind of real estate you should invest in. You know, I know a lot of people are going to get upset with me when I turn around and I talk about, you know, developers and, and a lot of these people when it's about your money, but your hard earned money should go into real estate you can touch. And so again, you know, we're hearing reports across Canada. There's a couple of developers. They're going to go defunct. Uh, you know, they were speculative pieces of land said, look, we're gonna, you're going to get great returns over the next 10, 15 years. We already saw one of the major names go down a couple of years ago. They were playing the land developer game, the wait and, wait and see game. And quite frankly, it, like I said, if you're going to be a real estate investor, if you're going to be a homeowner, take a look at it, see it, touch it, and then you know that it exists. That way you can put your hard-earned money where it truly, truly belongs. Um, that's it, you know, for my rant. I know sometimes I get a little long-winded on it, but I do appreciate all of my listeners that do comment on it. They appreciate it, and I thank you for that. As well, I thank all of our first responders that joined us uh, the other week for our simple seminar. It was great to see everybody. Love the participation that we're having. And again, you know, happy to answer questions. So on Instagram, if you follow me, I'm happy to, if you shoot me a question, happy to uh, to give you some information. And we've got a whole lot of more uh, reels that we're throwing up. My producers are doing a great job of it. And we're going to keep as active as we can tell you what's going on in the markets at any given day. I think it's really important. As far as landlords hang in there, you know what? The LTB has made some commitments that they're going to uh, start looking at shortening the time, adding staff. I'm not holding my breath right now. Eight months is kind of the leeway 
before you can actually get a ruling on a tenant that's not paying you. So again, that gives me, you know, the perfect way in coming up next. I do have my simple lawyer here. That's going to be joining me in studio, part of the simple company, jazz deep deal. And so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. You know, um, it's been interesting over the years doing the show here. Um, I get a lot of questions from people and they're asking me about corporations dealing with tenants. And, you know, uh, one of the things that I've always tried to advise is make sure you have independent legal advice. You know, sometimes having a paralegal on speed dial is great, um, lawyers as well. But, you know, when you take a look at the big picture, if you're going to be a standalone landlord, so forget about the simple investor for a second. You know, if you're going to be a standalone landlord, what are you exposed to and what should you be looking at? So, you know, joining me here in the studio, which I'm really fortunate to have, I have Jazz Deep Dylan, and Jazz is actually our in-house counsel here at the Simple Company. And Jazz, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. You know, it's it's awesome to have you here because you know, for years and years and years, it's normally been kind of that one person opinion. Mine. We do get a few, you know, lawyers that'll stick their heads up, but you know, there's there's a lot of questions that I think that, you know, just to give people clarity, a little bit of better understanding, you know, one of the big ones, of course, is going to be when we talk about corporations and when people are starting to buy and become real estate investors, you know, is there a threshold where people should be looking at putting, let's say, the property in a corporation? And for that matter, what does a corporation do for you if you're a real estate investor? Right, right. Uh, great question. Uh, so when you're looking to buy real estate, uh, investment real estate, and whether it's a corporation or to hold it personally, I think one of the things that you have to really look at first is how many investment properties am I purchasing? Uh, so depending on how many you are in talking to your trusted advisors, like your accountants and tax advisors, um, they will come up with a plan with you uh, to advise you whether it's good to purchase uh, through the corporation or to hold that real estate uh, personally. Right. Now, let's, let's, let's talk to, about the benefits of a corporation. Okay. So when we talk about liability and liability, you know, we're becoming a litigious society. Like, you know, people are suing people and, you know, not all tenants are bad. Not all landlords are bad, but, you know, situations happen. So let's talk about what could potentially, you know, be a benefit to being in a corporation. You know, if you own your investment properties there, what does that do for you as the owner? Uh, it separates you. So there's a, a, this veil of separation between you personally and, and the corporation. So, for example, if the corporation, uh, you know, due to unfortunate circumstances is being sued or involved in uh, some sort of mortgage default proceedings, uh, you personally are not uh, liable uh, for those losses. Right. So you're insulated from that situation. Right. right. Yeah. And, and so now here's the other thing, um, you know, you touched on that, you know, when we talk to obviously accountants and accountants are great to, to talk to, you know, uh, when we talk about, you know, potentially your first investment property, but you did allude to something that I, that I, I, I need to hop on is the fact that if your future looks like you're going to own multiple properties and that could maybe not just the first purchase, but multiple properties over the years, is it better if you're anticipating that to set it up as a corporation? And is there kind of a limit of number of units you should probably hold in a corporation? So uh, definitely something if you or if you're in the future looking to purchase further or more properties, then yes, uh, holding it in a corporation uh, might be best. And, and the limit uh, really depends. Um, some say five, some say ten. It's it's really 
uh, there's no right or wrong answer there. It's really what you're comfortable with and what your uh, trusted advisors are, t uh, you know, telling you, advising you on, and when it comes to like tax rates. Sure, yeah. of course, and 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 you know one of the things um, that you know there are those people that say, hey, look, you know, I, I should do it right away, but if they don't plan on you know, buying multiple properties. Let's say they just have a standalone. So folks, just so you know, you still have to file a tax return for a corporation every single year. And if you only own, own one property, it, that might eat up your profit. But Jazz, later on, can somebody shift a property from themselves personally into their corporation? Yes. It, it, transfers of title can happen and they do happen often. Uh, one thing I would say about transferring title in Ontario here is uh, that uh, you're going to be paying land transfer tax every time you transfer property, whether it's to a corporation or to another individual. Right. And it's uh, based on the the value or the balance of the mortgage at the time of the transfer. Right. And I and and just for clarity, there's also legal fees. We can't right. forget. We yes. can't forget yeah. about taking care of the lawyers on this one, right? So that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So let's uh, let's flip to the hottest topic as a landlord. Those greedy, greedy landlords. <laughs> of course, you know lots of things in the headlines. I struggle with this, as you, as as all my listeners know. You know, I, I I get really irate at a lot of these headlines. Lines. And, you know, people are sitting there saying, oh, the landlord's this, the landlord's that. But, you know, the mechanism that's in place right now for all landlords, and, I, and I'm going to say almost worldwide, but, you know, when we look, take a look at the mechanism on when a tenant doesn't pay you rent. And my big problem is try not paying your lease on your car. You know what? It's going right. to be a tow truck driver in your, in, your, in, your, yeah. <laughs> in your driveway within about a month. In the case of rental properties... Can you take us through a little bit of the scenario? If if a tenant stops paying you, what are your reactions as a landlord? Um, as a landlord, if tenants not paying you, you know you, you should act quickly. Um, you shouldn't wait too long to um, take action. Uh, the one of the first things you have to do is um, serve an N four notice. It's a notice to end a tenancy early for non payment or rent. So. Um, you want to make sure that the information that you're providing in that notice is correct. The spelling of the tenant's name, the property address, the amount that you're actually uh, owed is the amount that matches with the lease um, monthly right. payments, right? So um, if you get any of that information wrong, the LTB will uh, reject it and you have to start the entire process all over again. Yeah. So that sounds like you can waste a whole lot of time just for like, and, and, and one of the things, you know, um, as a company, what we do is, you know, if there's any discrepancy in the lease, I always say, go after the lower, like lower amount, right? Don't always try to max it out. You know, like don't try to put in your cost of doing this. Don't put in you right. know, don't, nothing like the lease is the lease. And that's the only thing that you're going to have to rely on. So, so is there a time period that the tenant now has? So, so take us through the process. So you've filled out the proper, the, the paperwork properly. Yep. We've got it nailed. Yep. Now what do you do? Right. So um, you filled out the paperwork. Now you've, you've got to serve the tenant and there's uh, various ways that you can serve the tenant, right? So you can leave, uh, you can hand it to them personally or an adult person that lives in that unit. You can put it under the door. You can put it in a mailbox. You can uh, courier it and you can mail it through like regular mail. But there was a time where we could do it by email because they, they allowed it due to COVID, yes? Due to COVID, they did allow email. Right. You could do email, uh, but I would recommend that you either hand it to them personally and you'd have that guarantee that they got it, right? Their email service was not really... Is, 
kind of a gray area. Sometimes, what if they never got the email, right? There's, right. there's always that argument. Right. Uh, so if, if you want to make sure that you've served the tenant properly, uh, I would always suggest doing it uh, through a um, personally, whether you're doing it or if you have a process server doing it. Right. Okay. So, so what we're doing is, uh, folks, we're trying to establish, you know, the, the, the process here of letting a tenant know that if you haven't paid me, so this is where we go. So we just to, to backtrack a little, and I want to clarify this with all of our listeners, because this is this crucially important. Your paperwork has to be filled out perfectly. And when I mean perfectly, you can't misspell their name at all address, not at all. You can't even be a penny over what technically your lease is telling you that you are supposed to get. If you haven't served the proper you know, paperwork on an increase for rent, for example, you still then <clears throat> can only charge the previous rent. So you have to sometimes go backwards. And that's why, you know, the analogy is that I throw out to everybody is that maybe you just turn around and instead of, you know, call it uh, 1450, uh, that they owe you, you say 1440. So you, you give that little bit of leeway because there's not a judge that's going to sit there and say to you, Oh, by the way, you got it wrong. They're going to pay you less. No, if you miss by a penny above, they're going to, they're going to shut you down. Um, jazz, we're going to go to a quick break, but, um, I do want to go to the next level of serving notices timelines right. okay because we got to have some timelines here obviously um you know uh, for landlords sometimes it's forever to get paid but hopefully that's not the case if we do our job right by the way uh if you want to follow me on instagram you know the simple investor one i gotta tell you what an incredible time that we had the other week at our seminar in-house here at the simple company it was amazing to see all of our first responders partake both in our seminar and our webinar. So again, I just a huge shout out to everybody for doing it. We still have a few units left, by the way, in our final release. Uh, and if you are a first responder, by all means, go to thesimpleinvestor.com, find out more. But when we come back, I've got more with The Simple Lawyer. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I thought I'd throw in a special this week. And instead of me always talking about what's going on, um, I brought in the in-house counsel from the simple company, the simple investor, and uh, Jazz Deep Dillon is here in studio with me. And we're kind of taking people through the process of, you know, how you have to serve notices to tenants when they don't pay you rent. And so if you missed out the first section, make sure you go to our YouTube channel, make sure you go to News Talks channel, you know, you can pick up what we missed out on. But Jazz, just before the break, you know, you you were, you know, emphasizing, of course, make sure the first notice N4, fill it out right, or you're going to be back to go, you know, you won't collect $200, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's let's go to the next part of the process. Where do we go from here? Yeah. So now that you've given the notice, say so for example, you've you've served them personally. Part of that notice will have um, something called a termination date, uh, and it's a date that you would insert in the notice that is 14 days after the date that you've given the notice. So say for example, you were um, owed rent March 1st. The earliest you can even give the tenant a notice is March 2nd. So that's you being very proactive and, and not waiting. Uh, so you, you give the notice March 2nd, 14 days from then on, they have that time period to pay you the rent. And if they do, then the notice is void and you cannot evict the tenant. The uh, As you can appreciate, a lot of tenants may not pay that rent in that 14-day period. Right. So what happens 
once the 14 days expires. The, the day after it expires, now you can uh, file an L1 application. So this is what really starts the, the hearing process with the LTB. Right. So how do we, so, so obviously correct, correctly filling it out. Right. Okay. Process. Um, I'm not sure if everybody understands there is a fee involved here. Right. Okay. So can you tell take us through that part of the process? So here's, here's the thing. So tenant ignores me, says they're not going to pay us. Yep. Okay. Here we are, uh, you know, and, and, and we gave them an extra two days just for, you know, Hey, we're, 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 we're trying to be reasonable. Yep. So here we are the 20th of the month. Nobody's paying us. Where do we go from here with the L1? So you're going to fill out the L1. A lot of the same information that you've in, uh, put in the N4 is is in the L1. Uh, however, if if um, you're if they've missed another payment of rent, you can include certain uh, future rents that were missed in the L1 application. Uh, you're going to file that either on uh, online is the best way to do it on the on the LTB portal. Uh, there is a fee. Uh, it's two hundred and one dollars, I believe. Um, along with the L1 uh, uh, filing, you're going to do a copy. You're going to file the copy of the N4 that you served on the tenant, and a certificate of service. So uh, that is uh, kind of like an affidavit uh, swearing that you did serve the person in the manner that you said you served them. Right, and and of course you mentioned that's a, that tick box. You know, we, we did it this way, we did it this way, right. and all of that. Right. Okay. Perfect. Because these are the kind of things that you know we don't want to get caught behind. Now. Um, the waiting process, because, you know, this could take months, um, you know, from an accounting perspective, I always believe that no matter what, you still send out a notice each month that rent was due. It keeps it all lined up. Does this help you when you're in front of, you know, a, a mediator or a judge at the LTB? It's good practice. And, uh, I, I believe it would be helpful. Um, it, it's and it's additional documentation that you can file with the LTB. You can serve it on the tenant as well, just to, so that everyone has full disclosure of the amount of rent that is now owing. It keeps growing. And I mean, every single growing. month, yeah. right? Like, like five months of rent can get quite substantial. Right. And, and the L1 application does allow for additional um, rents that were added on. Like, so your N4 may have just one month's rent, but by the time you're doing the L1, they have may, may have missed additional rent payments that you can include. Um, if your uh, tenant pays you by, say, for example, a check and that check bounces, NSF charges can be applied in uh, your L1 application as well. So a full accounting right. of uh, any expenses uh, you've taken on because of the rent not being paid. So let's fast forward. We had to wait a bunch of months to get a hearing date. Okay. And I, I, I know nowadays, mostly it's done by Zoom. Right. You know, it's that the, the in-person thing's not really happening. But so let's talk about the Zoom meeting, for example. So, um, you know, the, 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 uh, mediator finally says, you know what? We're ruling in favor of the landlord. Right. Okay. Uh, currently your tenant owes you $10,000. Um, couple scenarios that normally come up. They will turn around and talk to the tenant and say, Hey, by the way, you are, we're going to give you a payment plan. Yeah. So talk us through some of the processes or some of the results of getting a positive response for the landlord. So, uh, for the landlord, Typically, it's a, um, they call it a standard order. So the adjudicator will say, are you okay with a standard order? Typically meaning payment within 30 days. It might include a payment plan, might not. That can be negotiated at the hearing. Um, and uh, terms and conditions if the tenant does not pay. So they'll have uh, interest charges, for example, um, that are get tacked on. Um, if they don't pay the rent by a certain date, 
And also if they don't move out, because initially it's a termination of the tenancy uh, at that point. And if they don't move out, uh, there's there's um, terms and conditions for the landlord uh, giving them rights to kind of force the tenancy and they have to go through the sheriff's office. For okay, that. so that one, yeah. that, that's the final one. And I know right now there, if there's if there's any landlords that are listening that are going through this, they want to fast track it to the to the sheriff for the eviction. Let's talk about how that process works because it's not literally the sheriff knocking on the door saying, looking at his clock saying, I'm giving you five minutes, pack your stuff. Normally it's a notice posted to the tenant that says they have 72 hours to to vacate, correct? Right, that's correct, that's yeah. correct. And getting uh, the notice to the sheriff, you know, even that <laughs> is a long process. It is. And the sheriff taking their time and... and they're, this is not the only tenancy they're dealing with or other, other matters I'm sure they're dealing with. Thousands. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's a, an additional waiting game for the landlord there. You've already waited five to eight months to get the hearing. Another 30 days you know, is the order that the uh, LTV has issued. And now uh, you have to take additional steps uh, with the sheriff's office and additional fees. Okay, so here we go. So we've got we got a ruling from the LTV. So that helps us, I would imagine, as as a landlord, it's 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 a positive saying thing saying the tenant really does owe you the ten thousand dollars. Okay, they don't pay it. Uh, we do get the eviction. Um, what can a landlord do after all of this? You know, obviously we lick our wounds, we try to repopulate our our units. Um, you know, we got to clean up, not because no, most tenants don't leave it in sparkling condition. Um, so, what does and what recourse does a landlord have now at this point? It's very challenging um, to chase down a tenant uh, that does not live at your property anymore to to get them to pay you the rent, but. Uh, Typically, what you're going to have to do is uh, file a small claims application uh, with the uh, small claims court and sue them in that court to retrieve or obtain an order from them for the outstanding rent. Right. And they can, um, in their order, they can um, issue, say, a garnishment of wages or, or seizure of personal assets. Um, uh, or executing a writ. Uh, these are these are uh, some options available to the landlord, uh, depending on whether they the tenant pays or not. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, when you think about it, I mean, it's a huge kerfuffle, obviously, and and, and nobody wants to go there. So, um, a couple pieces of advice. Um, and and by the way, Jazz, thanks so much for the clarity on that. But a couple pieces of advice for our listeners is this. Um, you know what, before you let a tenant into your property, make sure you do the homework, okay? And I know it's so tough and, and a lot of people, and, and look, uh, tenants can have things go awry, but if they were a good tenant, they'll understand and they'll try to work with you, the landlord. But if they are some of the, the professional tenants out there that are taking advantage of the situation, you know, doing more homework is going to be critical. Doing your credit check, critical. Checking with previous landlords. By the way, if a landlord, previous landlord gives you a glowing, glowing report, you kind of got to look into it. Are they just trying to get them out of their existing property? Maybe they owe that landlord a bunch of money and the landlord is not willing to divulge it. You know, these are the kind of things, I hate to say it, but you've got to be cautious because until they move into your property, until you hand over the keys and sign that lease, you're still the one in control here. And that's one of the things as a landlord, you've got to remember when you have signed lease, people are occupying it there. The, the, the landlord tenant boards are now you know, swaying more towards tenancy. We have a vacancy issue, as we all know. We have an inventory issue, as we all know. So the best way 
to turn around and do this is make sure you do your due diligence. If somebody pulls up in their car, they have their possessions in the car and they say, I'm going to pay you cash right now for the first and last month. Tell them just down the road, I'm sure you can grab yourself a hotel. Take your time, okay? Do your homework. Make sure you do everything possible so you can guarantee yourself a good tenancy. And that's really important that you follow those rules. Anyways, when we come back, we've got more. And don't forget, follow me on The Simple Investor One on Instagram. Uh, a lot of stuff going on there on our account. We've got a lot going on and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Uh, as I said, I really appreciate Jazz coming in and sharing some of his thoughts on you know some really important stuff right now. You know, tenancies and of course, should you own a corporation? Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know we've got, had a great, great seminar, and so I'm going to uh, I'm going to have our producers play some of the Q and A that uh, that we had during the seminar. Some of the you know some of the questions from some of our participants. So here you go, and and have a quick listen. My name is Jason. I've been a paramedic for 20 plus years. Thank you. My wife told me to come to this seminar, so I, I have to go back to her and explain to her what you've said tonight. So just so I understand, you're going to essentially give us a $30,000 interest-free loan? Yes. Am I, am I understanding you, that correctly? Bang on. So if I put $30,000... You put $30,000 down, I put the other $30,000 down. It does show as a loan, but it's no interest on it for two years. And thank you for what you do. You're welcome. Thank you. That is one of those things for clarity. I want to make sure everybody understands how the program works. Yes, we're actually giving you a basic loan. If you qualify to be able to do it with the bank, we're fine with you. Because here's the thing. Remember one important thing. We're managing the product. We're taking care of the property. So we're kind of taking care of our mortgage while we're at it. So that's why we have a lot of confidence in what we're doing. Yes, sir. Over there. In your master program, is that a five-year term or do you offer DRIP? Great question. The Master Investor Program is normally a two-year program. Interest paid out annually on it. What we do is because we go through a conversion process. So the idea of the Master Investor Program is just to help us. And normally most of our product is about a two-year time span. Because we then take it to condominium conversion, then we take it out to the market. But you get your annual return. In the Master Program, is it interest paid only? or the investor also has ownership of the real estate? Great question. Technically, you are actually on the mortgage title of the real estate. So when you end up investing, that acts like a mortgage and it's actually registered on the title of the property. So you're not an owner of the property, but you're an owner of the debt of the property. So it's like if I borrow from the bank, the bank is registered on it, well, so are you. You are registered on the title of the property as debt. So the gentleman's asking, is it possible to have ownership? That's what we call our joint venture program. We do have joint venture partners at this time. We don't have any new offerings right now. The fact that you're on our mailing list now will have that potential in the future. A lot of times a joint venture partner, somebody facilitates money and the other person all does a lot of work. We do both. We facilitate both money, debt, as well as work. Our most recent joint venture that we did I actually took all of the mortgage on myself. So my joint venture partners didn't even have to sign on the documents. We have borrowing power. We're fortunate to be able to do it. So I'm going to go to our webinar just for a second. Alexandria asked, for how long does a simple fund fee stay at $80 to $120? Just so you know, that fee's never changed. Once it's in place on an investment property, never changed, never will. The longer we manage, the easier it is for us to manage. That's how straightforward it is. Thank you for that question. Great question. 
Hannah, I'm a simple investor and have one property so far. When do you guys increase the rent for the tenant so we can cover the increased mortgage rates? Here's the thing. When you start with our program, the first two years we have to lock the rents in. And then after that, it's whatever the province allows us to increase. As we know, Mr. Ford gave us zero in 2021. In 2022, it was 1.7. This year is 2.5. It doesn't cover anything. It's insulting, but there's nothing we can do about it. Once you're in an agreement being a lease agreement, there's nothing you can do. You only can go by the provincial standards. Kim, hello there. I am not a first responder. How can I be advised when, if this program opens up to the general public? Kim, just so you know, and thank you for your question. It's a great question. The offering, meaning the product itself is open. The first responder package with the 10% down right now is only for first responders. Can you buy it with 20% down? Yes. This is still up for sale. People can still buy units from us, but the first responder program right now does not have an end date for first responders. We're just trying to be able to accommodate a group of people to be able to give them that first leg up. Yes, ma'am. Also manage other people's properties? That is a great, 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 great question. Do I manage other people's properties? No, because I can't guarantee you what I do if it's another property. If it's just one property and it's in Scarborough, it's almost impossible. As you can tell, we do this in a bulk version. The only reason why our program works is because it's on scale. My lenders here from National Bank, I just want to give a shout out to National Bank. They've been fabulous to us for the last several years. Big, big part of Kips and North Bay, so thank you very much. You guys have been awesome. They understand the model. They say, well, we know why you can guarantee the rent, because you're managing 360 units, 600 units, 400 units. If I try one, I can't do it for $80 a month, because I can't even pay for parking in Toronto for that. But the simple landlord is coming. So I have something that is unique, state-of-the-art, and you'll be able to be a landlord with just one of these. It will virtually do everything for you, and then we back it up from behind the scenes. We're close. Everything's been beta-tested. We're good. We're just trying to get everything put together. We're hoping it's this year, the simple landlord. You'll know about it. Everybody's going to know about it. It's probably the most revolutionary thing that's ever happened to being a landlord. Yes, sir. Gentleman asked, so tax-free savings accounts, so TFSAs, very similar to RSPs. We can turn around. It has to be secured in an entity that can take it. So in other words, like our mortgage investment corporation, but you cannot buy individual properties with it. So you cannot take your TFSA and go buy an individual unit. You'd have to use it as an investment model in the mortgage investment corp, and that's going to give you that rate of return between 8 and 10%. So the gentleman's asking, what does our simple fund fee cover? It covers absolutely everything. Vacancy, repairs, it will cover advertising, it covers a 3 a.m. toilet call. We've got full-time staff on every one of our sites. They live there, so we're able to respond. It takes care of the gamut. Nobody in 13 years has ever been charged one dime for a repair in any one of our properties. Nobody's ever been charged. One more from our webinar. So when it comes to sell the property, must we sell it back to the simple investor? No. No, you don't. We do have investors that sometimes will buy units from other investors, but truth be told, the best way for you to sell it is probably putting it into the open market. You get the highest sale price. 
I can tell you, it's been getting a little difficult because we've got tenants that are difficult. As you mentioned about tenants not moving out, we still have the struggles. We're just like, we just have a few more guns at our disposal, but we're just like every other landlord, have to follow the rules. Tenants have gotten harder, especially during COVID. You know, we do everything by the book. We have to. And so to answer your question, no, you don't have to sell it back to us. It's your property. You get the gain. If we have an investor, by all means, we'll let you know. If not, you sell it to the open market. When selling, and I just want to make this very clear to everybody, everybody here in the room watching on the webinar, if you're going to sell investment real estate with a tenant in place, you have to follow all the rules. The LTB is getting really, really mean. They will sue you. They will fine you. How dare you sell your asset? Right now, if you tell a tenant that you're going to sell the property, they now mandate that you must give them one month's rent. If you're going to take that person out, you have to give them a month's rent. You as the landlord have to give a month's rent to your tenant to move out. And that's not including what they call pocket money. Because here's a tenant saying, not going to do it. So then guess what we got to do? We got to go to the LTB to get them out. That can take months. And so now tenants are saying, oh, well, give me five grand and maybe I'll think about it. And if you say yes, they're going to hit you for seven. I'm not going to say all tenants are bad because you know what? We have 95% great tenants. But the truth is, boy, that 5%, I got to tell you. I got another one. Who assists with the landlord tenant proceedings and costs, filing documents, attending court, etc.? Well, when it comes down to being one of our investors, we cover it all. No cost to you. When you look at the big picture, what we provide is consistency. It's the most important thing. And so moving forward for yourselves, it's just you got to decide, is investment real estate right for you? You start with one. Try us out. That's pretty much it. I just want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. It has been an honor and a pleasure, and it's great to see everybody. Wow, you know, it's amazing. Even I, when I listen back to some of these questions, all great questions, really appreciate the audience participation as well as the people that join us on the webinar. Thanks for texting in your questions because you know what? It makes it a lot easier for us to be able to turn around and know what everybody's thinking or at least try to answer some of those really, really important thoughts. So uh, thanks for everybody for participating in that. And uh, that's a wrap for this week. You know, it's amazing how quickly a show goes by within an hour. And I do want to thank everybody that's been helping me put on this show. I want to thank Aiden and Omar in the booth. I want to thank Ian for always making sure uh, he keeps it simple for us. And more importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in each week. And of course, I will be back next Sunday as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.